Welcome in to episode 100 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country for a breaking news commitment edition of the Sources Say Podcast. Sean, how the heck are you? Doing well, and our listeners should have uh, had this episode a lot sooner, but we had, we, had, we had some things. We, we wanted to make sure that we had everything in line and uh, dotted all our I's and crossed all our T's before we put something out there. Like We, we like to keep it, whatever we're hearing, we don't want to just throw stuff out there, do we, Jack, and hope it sticks. So what he's referring to, yesterday we sat down to record our breaking news. So if you guys have been listening to this show, you guys have known that the Ty Ty Washington to Kentucky uh, hype train has been a go for quite some time. There was no suspense with his decision. Uh, why do you think he uh, UK was able to release his uh, a, a press release so quickly with, with <laughs> quotes? Uh, with quotes from Coach Cal and Ty Ty himself, this this was something that was a long time in the making. No shock to anybody uh, that this was a done deal, uh, done deal Holyfield. So we sat down at what one o'clock yesterday. We were going to sit down and we were going to do our our pre pre recorded episode to release right at nine o'clock. Whenever the the commitment went public, and while like right before we hit record uh, we got a text message and a phone call that basically said hmm, the Savir Wheeler thing might not be as much of a done deal as originally planned we had talked about him in it very in depth earlier in the week and said that that was you know it was going to be Savir and, and Ty Ty those are the two names to watch out for I, you know I originally the plan I thought was going to be Friday for Savir and Saturday for Ty Ty mm-hmm. and uh, we heard right before we were going to record that he might be getting cold feet and was thinking about backing out and, and kind of reevaluating his options with Kansas kind of emerging again as the potential favorite. So we didn't know how to record a breaking news commitment episode of sources say talking about just Ty Ty and how he fit with everybody else without knowing who was going to be the, the well, complimentary piece. It was one of those things where had we recorded that episode in that setting and we did not even mention Severe Wheeler's name one time, yeah, it would everybody would have been like, okay, something's up. And right. obviously at the time we were kind of waiting for some confirmation before we wanted to put it out there. So it, it was going to be nearly impossible to record an episode. I did the same thing on Kentucky Daily yesterday and that episode went out this morning. I, I bet we said Savir Wheeler's name 50 times. <laughs> so I was like, okay, if if something happens here, I would rather eat this audio and record it, uh, redo it over, but no, it sounds like uh, things are back in the good side, right, Jack? I got 3 texts in the span of about an hour this morning and it, we're recording this on on Thursday afternoon. I got about three texts within the hour that all of them said Savir Wheeler to Kentucky's a done deal that it's it's shows over it's it's wrapped up he's he's going to Kentucky so I felt confident to if if we hadn't heard anything we would have just made it work and, and recorded an episode um, but I, I just wanted to make you know breaking down Ty Ty's commitment but I just wanted to make sure that there wouldn't be any last second changes or movements uh, kind of indicating that that Savir was either coming or going so we could come on here and definitively say 
because uh, because at the time it was just like hey it might not be the done deal that we originally anticipated uh, on Sunday night and going into Monday maybe hold off don't push this as much as you originally were, were planning on so we weren't you know gonna just ignore it all together but we just wanted to be able to have something to discuss either good or bad if, if we had heard he's out you know we would have come on here and said uh, UK is gonna go explore their other options and, and so on and so forth but it does sound like that is uh, full full steam ahead something to keep a close eye on I kind of am under the assumption it might happen Friday I'm not sure the uh, specifics on that. That could, you know, that yeah, could that was the original thought that I had on Monday yeah. was that he would come Friday. Tata would go Saturday, but Jack too. I think the, the times, the timing spot there with the uh, ESPN with sports center, the Twitter feed kind of influence Tata moving that thing up to the 12th. I think that was the original plan mm-hmm. uh, with Paul B and Cardi. And ESPN there. I, I talked to Paul this morning, though, and got some really good stuff on Tata that I'm excited to share and stuff uh, on this episode. I, I think people are going to like a lot of the things that Paul had to say about him. Yeah, absolutely. So without further ado, let's break down, break this thing down, what Ty Ty Washington's commitment means for Kentucky and uh, just kind of how we got to this point. And, uh, and that's kind of why we needed to wait for the Savir thing to, to get some level of clarity on that, because I think their decisions go hand in hand with each other. I think it's a, the reason why Cal was so, and Ty Ty, I mean, he's a special talent. I think Rivals just released their updated uh, final recruiting rankings, and he jumped up all the way to number 11 in the country. So he's now a consensus top 16 player in the class, I believe. So 11 in Rivals, 12 on ESPN, and 16 over at 247 Sports, consensus five-star, kind of just a a can't-miss, surefire scorer, surefire shooter, just uh, Kentucky was going to take Ty Ty and, and love him and, and, you know, kind of build a strong role for him, no matter who else was joining him. But the other complimentary piece of Savir Wheeler was kind of, if they were going to take a guy like Savir, they needed a guy like Ty Ty to play off the ball or to be that complimentary, you know, one, two punch with him considering Savir's limitations as a scorer or as a shooter and some of the turnover issues. So that's kind of why we needed to talk about them both at the same time because they feed off of one another. One is the dynamic shooting and scoring threat. The other is the passer facilitator playmaker, so on and so forth. So now that we got that out, let's talk about just what Ty Ty, you know, means and, and who he is as a player. So we got to see him just about as in depth as anybody Uh, This weekend at Iverson class, we got to watch his practices. We got to watch his scrimmages, uh, some of his, his, um, you you know, pregame drills, warm-ups. We got to talk to him. We got a feel for who he is, what his personality is like, talk to his family. Uh, I mean, we we were all about Ty Ty Washington this weekend. And like we mentioned on our last episode, we had our doubts about Ty Ty to start with. I mean, this was a guy that it almost felt like he he deferred too much. Uh, that he wasn't playing aggressive enough in, in some of the scrimmages and, and the initial workouts that we saw. And then to start the, the official Iverson Classic game, uh, it's not that he was turning the ball over or that he was sloppy or he was taking bad shots or not shooting at all. It just felt like for a guy that was getting as much hype as Ty Ty was at the time, you just thought that you were you were going to see more. It just felt like every time he got the ball, he was just so quick to – uh, you know, let somebody else take control of it. And, 
And, you know, he, he played the three at times just as an off-ball two, off-ball three, um, where he barely even touched the ball in any of the possessions. It was, just, it was just very bizarre for a kid as highly rated and highly touted as Ty Ty was and is to not be, a, to not be that aggressive playmaker that everybody kind of hyped him up to be. So we kind of looked at each other during the game and you even texted me uh you know we were kind of going back and forth talking to different people you would uh, went up in this in the stands for a minute and you know, we were just kind of going back and forth but at at one point you texted me and you're like I don't know about him as a lead guard and I kind of thought the same thing because it, it truly felt like Emmanuel quickly year one at Kentucky where he was almost a primary uh just primarily a catch and shoot off ball threat not really having the ball in his hands, not super comfortable with the ball in his hands. It just felt like he was so quick to pass it up and let other people do, you know, do what they wanted with it. And if the play kind of happened to fall in his lap, like there was that one baseline, uh, he kind of went up and under, had the smooth uh, floater about five feet away on the baseline. Then he had that other where he kind of crossed the guy up uh, at the top of the key and kind of went in, did another ball fake and, and up for the floater about you know four or five feet in front of the basket and then he had a catch and shoot three in the first half but outside of that he he wasn't aggressive scoring at all his only scoring opportunities early just kind of came on plays that were just kind of handed to him and and it just we were waiting for that who is it like who who is he at his best and uh and then Sean there in the second half when crunch time came around and they needed baskets and they needed somebody to take the game over I mean Holy hell. I mean, Ty Ty was the absolute truth, Sean. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. And you know, I spoke with Paul Biancardi of ESPN this morning, a guy that's obviously followed him and stuff ever since, I think, last June, if I'm not mistaken, is when he first uh, – so, so Paul put, in June 2020, Ty Ty broke into the rankings at number 86. Wow. In December 2020, he was at number 34, and now he finds himself at number 12 in the ESPN rankings. Uh, when I spoke with him this morning, Jack, he, he talked about the the competitor that he is. And we know his, his high school group lost two games this year, both to Montvert Academy, uh, which is, you know, perfectly understandable. And he was talking about the winner that Tata Washington is and how he fits in at Kentucky with that winning mentality. He's a kid that we've heard Tata say it in the press release. He said it to you. He said it to me. He's a kid that bets on himself. He always bets on himself, and a well co- well coached by Ed Gibson out there at uh, Compass Prep. I know that's what uh, Paul Biancardi was talking about. He said the one thing that he looks at when it comes to these guys is who have they been coached by beforehand. And he was uh, giving a lot of praise to Coach Gibson there and saying that. And then Tata told me on Saturday that he's he sees a lot of similarities in John Calipari that he had in Gibson. So the, the similarities there between Cal and in him, it's something that there's some familiarity there with the way that they expect things, the way that they tell you to bet on yourself, come to Kentucky, take a chance on you if you feel that's right for you, Jack. And uh, I think it's a, a great get for Kentucky. Think about this, uh, just looking at recruiting rankings this morning and not saying anything. I mean, Kentucky wanted Hunter Salas at one point. The rivals ranking Salas dropped significantly to, I think, 26 spots down to number 33. Not say anything bad about Salas, but here's Kentucky fans thinking what a a few weeks ago, uh, you know, all these point guards are gone here. And then you look up and you have one that was rated higher than the one you were targeting and the one that decommitted from you. Not saying rankings matter, 
but just when it, you saw them, yeah. both, you, you saw them both live in person and we both looked at each other and, and I, I talked to some other people that, that know and, and are very familiar with, you know, recruiting Gonzaga doesn't even think he's a point guard. Cause I, I don't think he's a point guard. I don't know. No. I don't know what position Hunter Salas is right now. And, and you talked to me about that yeah, because you said, what would, how, what, how big of a disaster would it have been if he would have got to Kentucky and we all expected him to take over point guard spot and he, and that wasn't what he needed to do. Not, he is That's a disaster. A and Kentucky would have taken him and found a way to make something work. He's a talented player, but you look here at the rankings and you know, you can't, Kennedy Chandler is also there ahead of him. Uh, J.D. Davidson, you know, who we who we saw there, really good. Um, but Tata is right there with those guys, too, that I, I think when it was said and done, Kentucky got the ended up getting the best fit for what they need on this roster. I would have taken Nolan Hickman in a heartbeat, though. I'll be the first one to tell Absolutely. you on the podcast right now that I will not uh, discredit Nolan Hickman's game. I, I saw a lot of things that I liked Saturday, and I think it would have worked, Jack with Ty Ty Washington, but it didn't. But when it when it's all said and done, Kentucky's right there. They get an elite guard, a guy that is doing that thing that Shea Gildas Alexander was doing, climbing the charts right before he comes into Kentucky. And you could see this kid really, really having a nice freshman season. And Paul was talking to me this morning that he's so good with the ball in his hands now. And, and I don't think that that was something he's always had in his game, according to Paul, that it's got better and better. Took 63 charges last year at Compass Prep. I know I've had some people on Twitter be like, that's like two charges per game. And I'm interested to see, is John Calipari get him out of that? Because we know how much the block charge call influences foul trouble and things in college basketball. I'm going to say John Calipari is probably going to be like, okay, take some here and there, but don't put yourself in foul trouble. Here's this quote that he gave me uh, at, at the Iverson Classic. He said, on the court, they're going to be getting a, pl- a point guard who is going to lead and do whatever it takes to win, whether that's me scoring, passing, guarding, taking charges, get a nosebleed, whatever. I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. Like, who says that? Like, you know, there's so many people like, you ask, okay, what do you like uh, both on and off the floor? And they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a flashy player. I like to do this. I'm a good shooter. I can do this, this, this. Name me one time you have ever gotten a, a personal scouting report from a player where they have told you, I'm willing to go get a nosebleed. Nobody says that. Like that's such a that's such a, a cool ass answer for for any kid. And uh, you know, you talk to Coach Gibson at, at uh, Compass Prep. He said his parents raised him the right way. He's built tough, like Ford tough. He's built that way. He's gonna do what he, he's gonna take what he wants. He's not gonna back down from anybody. He's a dog, a bona fide dog. He's a guy you want in your corner. If you're in a foxhole, you want Ty Ty Washington there with you. That's what you need to know right there. Like, what a badass quote. Like, that – oh, it's just it, – this is a kid that for so long – you know, you everybody loved Ashton Hagens because he was a dog. But there was a lot of there, – there was a lot of downside that came with Ashton's game because of the turnovers, because of some of the, you know, off-court stuff. And, the you know, it, it just felt like there was a lot of baggage with the dog. But this feels like a more polished – just kind of well-rounded better shooter it just it feels like it does getting ashton hagens again but kind of a a, a you know a, a better shooter shooter more well-rounded type of player you love dogs you love that's something Keldon johnson said when he came here uh that's something that you know a lot of the other players that that kentucky has had 
recent, not extremely recently, but you know, over the course of Calipari's tenure, they've talked, you know, I'm a dog, I'm a dog, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, I'm a dog, you know, those type of guys, they take pride in being that feisty competitor on both ends of the floor. And that's exactly who Ty Ty is. And, you know, you can, you can talk about his shooting. You can talk about his scoring. I mean, this is a dude that averaged 24 points, seven assists, six rebounds uh, mm-hmm. uh, on 48% shooting, 41% from three and 88% from the free throw line. Like that's about as, as beautiful of a box score and in, in, in regular stat sheet as you could possibly dream of. But mm-hmm. above all that, I am infinitely more excited about the fact that that this dude is just a grinder. He's a competitor. Mm-hmm. He's going to do all of the dirty work whatever it takes to, to help Kentucky win games. And I think that's, that's the most exciting part about this. And right here, you, you can tell, like, we haven't been in on those conversations that John Calipari has had with Ty Ty Washington or the conversations that John Calipari has had with Xavier Wheeler. But right here in this quote from Paul Biancardi's story on ESPN.com, Jack, you can kind of get inside the conversation. So he says, Coach Cal has passion to develop me. He was confident and straightforward on how I would fit and his plan for me. I could play both the point guard and also slide over to the wing because of my scoring ability. I watched a lot of film in Kentucky, and they play a three-guard attack. So right there, you can kind of be inside those conversations, and you see where now Xavier Wheeler fits, that you're already gearing up Tata Washington to play off the ball instead of having to be that primary guard the entire time. And that, you know, that's what threw us off a little bit yesterday with wondering, you know, what is the – where is the maybe the, the mixture, the confusion here? Is, is Xavier Wheeler still Kentucky? Is it trending another direction? We wanted to clear up that before we got on here. But you can see right there that those two have kind of – obviously they weren't recruiting one and then not telling the other about the other one. Like right. that that was definitely being discussed as a plan of playing one-two and, and stuff. But Kentucky's getting a really, really good player, Jack. A really good player, a, a really good kid from what we've been able to see a really good family and everything, all the things that you check off all those boxes for Kentucky basketball, John Calipari does. And, the, and I think they're, they're getting a really good one. Yeah. I mean, you, like we said, Ty Ty is a guy that you take no matter what he is. He is a guy that you, that it doesn't matter what Xavier Wheeler does or was planning to do or the timeline of events or who committed first or any of that stuff. Ty Ty is your guy. Like that's, that's a guy that you are willing to take 10, 10 days out of 10 or, there's not 10 days in a week, seven, 10 times out of 10, seven days a week, you take Ty Ty Washington. He is, uh, you know, as good as it comes in terms of just pure point guards in this class. Uh, like you said, he can slide it off ball. If you need him to, he can play the wing. If you need him to, I don't, I prefer to see him with the ball in his hands. Like we saw, he is willing to defer, but he is way more of a, of a difference maker on the floor whenever he does have the ball in his hands. He's capable of playing off ball. Uh, and as we saw, I mean, he can shoot lights out, like we said, 41% from three, won the three-point contest. Absolutely just took took off in the second half, especially late in the fourth quarter, and then that Elam ending weird extra time added type deal in the Iverson Classic when he just went nuts. I believe he went four for four. I, I think he went – he had two – short twos a three in the first half and then to get to 22 points he had four four more three pointers that were I mean just gorgeous gorgeous shots and then he have a three-point play and then he got fouled on another no he got fouled on the three again yeah um so that that's how you get to your 22 points he was it was a team high for him um yeah five five three-pointers in the official game so and you just you just got to remember that Washington is also joining a backcourt that also includes C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen, and Kellen Grady. 
who shot 47.4%, 40%, and 38.2% from three this past season on a combined 13.2 attempts from deep per, per game. So, again, we're talking about a guy that was a high-efficiency, high-quantity three-point shooter in high school in his own right in Ty Ty Washington, but you're joining three high-volume shooters, high-efficiency shooters at the college level as well, where those four players combined makes the addition of, of Xavier Wheeler make sense. Because, like we talked about last episode, if, if Wheeler were to come without Ty Ty, or even, you know, without a C.J. Frederick or a Dante Allen or even a Kellen Grady, without that, Savir would have made no sense. Because Cal, you know, stressed over and over again that he was never going to go back to the, uh, you know, non-shooter lineup. He wasn't going to sign a player that couldn't shoot anymore. He was past those days, all those things. And it made no sense when Kentucky started picking up buzz with a 22% three-point shooter. And I don't think that – his 22% is a is a constant. I mean, he, he shot 32% from from three his first his his freshman year on like 48% shooting overall. Uh, so the numbers are there, and when he doesn't have to be the primary focus in the backcourt the way he was this past year at Georgia, his addition makes way more sense because there's going to be w- less weight on his shoulders, less pressure for him to do it all. This this you know this past year he played for a bad Georgia team that had no shooters, no scorers around him, and he felt the need to do it all. So, yes, his, high, his assist numbers were high because he was constantly trying to find open plays and open teammates and, and make plays with the ball. But his turnovers were high, and his shooting, shooting efficiency was extremely low. His usage numbers were high. His turnover numbers were extremely high. Uh, he was the, the, the picture-perfect scenario of – I'm trying to do too much because my team around me sucks. You know, you, you go play pickup at the gym and you're the only player on the floor with you and you start taking stupid shots and, and making ugly turnovers because you're the only guy out there that, you know, you think you're the only guy out there that can make plays. Xavier Wheeler will no longer feel that way at Kentucky with four elite. I mean, I'm going to call them all four of them are elite shooters and they, they four of them around him that he could feel confident that if, you know, he, he wants to, to dribble and, and try to make plays for himself and, and uh, you know, kind of create, he's going to be able to have shooters to kind of dig him out of holes and bad situations that he might have gotten himself into with no real answer this past year at Georgia. He's going to always have somebody out on the perimeter to knock down a shot. And on the flip side, if he does get his, his shot blocked or if he does miss at the rim or whatever the case is, you have Damian Collins coming in to – to rim run and throw down a, a crazy putback dunk or Oscar Sheboy to do the same thing, Jacob Toppin to do the same thing, maybe Keon Brooks to do the same thing. So you just go down the list. In context, Savir Wheeler makes sense, and I love the fit. Out of context, as a pure player, no, I understand the gripes, and I understand he is not a perfect player. He's not a polished player. He has his flaws. But I think Cal is thinking big picture with this as the, as the fit with Wheeler, a primary pure playmaker at heart alongside dominant shooters and and some elite front court presence and and you know size length and and just pure brute strength and Oscar Sheboy those guys it just it as a collective unit it all it, it's all starting to come together it's all starting to make sense Sean yes it is and Kentucky's gonna if when it when it is official and obviously we know that things can change Jack at any point, but with Xavier Wheeler, when it does become official, 
Kentucky will have two point guards that are, do an excellent job at getting both feet in the paint. Yeah. And that is something that they struggled with mightily this past year. We, we know that Devin Askew struggled to get the ball by the defender's hip and, and beat somebody off the bounce. I mean, that was on display more times than one. He wasn't the only one that struggled. I mean, it was all across Kentucky's roster. Well, they're getting two guys that can get both those feet in the paint, make plays for others. And then, two, something on the turnovers here. Are four turnovers, 4.4 turnovers are a game, way too high, right? Right. But you know what doesn't make it seem as bad is when you have 193 assists to those 115 turnovers. That That's what I'm looking I'm looking at more the whole body of work here. And he's a guy that he was forced to make all the plays at Georgia, had the ball in his hands a ton. His usage rate was high. Uh, but when you look at those freshman stats, you know, playing alongside Anthony Edwards and the guys they had there that season, those turnover numbers were 91 and the assists were 139. So, obviously, I mean, he was used a lot more this past season. Another thing that stands out to me, Jack, we're talking about a 5'10 point guard. He had 76 rebounds his freshman year, 100 his sophomore year. For his height, that's not bad. He's going to chip in and rebound a spot, which is a really big thing that you can get from your point guards. Uh, the three-point percentage and stuff freshman year, it was 32%. If it gets to 30, then this is a, this is a big-time win. If, and I, I think it, he has a chance to shoot a higher percentage at Kentucky because I don't think he's going to take 13, 14 shots a game like he did at Georgia. I think he's going to take what he gets, really good in transition, really quick. He looks to get the ball out of his hands as soon as it's in his hands and they're leading the break. Uh, he found shooters at Georgia this past season. Think about this. C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen, Kellen Grady, Tata Washington, all these guys leading the break, Jack. If he gets that ball out of his hands quick, Kentucky could be lethal in transition shooting threes. And uh, that, that I was talking to, to Paul Biancardi this morning. That's somebody you're going to – obviously it's fresh because I just had the phone call a couple hours ago. But we talked about – this class and how it's different with Tata Washington, Damian Collins, Bryce Hopkins. It's not your normal John Calipari, Kentucky basketball recruiting class. It's not. But when you look at what they've done, the transfer portal, he was talking about how Tata fits in this, how Xavier Wheeler would fit in this. You got lethal shooters and it goes back to who coached these guys. Look at who coached them coming from a program at Davidson. Well coached. Yep. Fran McCaffrey coming from Iowa. These guys have been coached very well. Oscar Sheboy, Bob Huggins, all these pieces. You know what you're getting. And I, I just like how both these guys will fit when all it's, when it's all said and done. I, I really like the fit. I like what Kentucky's doing in the backcourt. But I'm going to go ahead and pencil in a couple of things. When Xavier Wheeler commits and signs, he's starting at the one. Tata's at the two. I think Frederick's going to be coming off the bench as a six-man. And that is not a bad thing. I really don't think. And I, and I think that Cal has been upfront and honest with this, knowing, hey, I need someone off the bench. And if you're going to play a three-guard lineup, then it features Kellen Grady. And I love Kellen Grady's size and length at 6'5", playing that, that three spot. And I'm, I'm big on playing a guard there, playing a score at the three instead of a forward. But when you can add somebody off the bench like that, they're, going to, they're all going to play 25, 26, 27 minutes a game. If they're going to really commit to playing three perimeter players, it's not going to matter who starts, who's the sixth man. A ton of people are going to play on the perimeter, including Dante Allen. I think he's going to get his opportunities as well. Think of, and you bring up a great point. Think of the versatility with that. Just, just those five pieces, having those five that, that 
that core group of five where you can have Sabir at the one, Ty Ty at the two, Kellen Grady at the three, and then your first two reinforcements to come in could be C.J. Frederick in for fill-in-the-blank, uh, Dante Allen in for whoever or whomever. Then if, you know, if need be, Ty Ty can slide over to the one, let Savir take a break. Then you could have three elite shooters in the lineup at one time. You could have, you know, Ty Ty, uh, you know, C.J. Frederick, Dante Allen, or you could have – Kellen Grady played some point too at Davidson. And that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. With, those, with these five pieces, you have so much different vers- you know, versatility, and you could throw – You're not handcuffing yourself. Right. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and I f- we felt like at times that in the past – They've handcuffed themselves. But go, go back to the team a couple of years ago that had the three guards and Maxie and Quickly. Maxie and Quickly did not play the two in high school. Yeah. They played the one in the high school, and they played the one on the EYBL circuit. They got to Kentucky and played the two. And now look at what Emmanuel Quickly is doing in the league right now. Perfect. As, yeah. as a two and, and doing things, you know, off the ball, pick and roll, get that little floater. Kentucky does an excellent job of taking primary ball handlers from the high school ranks and turning them into lethal scorers on and off the ball. You make, you make do off the basketball in the NBA. If you can come off screens, get into some of that floppy action, that is where Tyler Hero, the Keldon Johnsons, the guys that you're seeing do well in the league, they've they done so well in that area at Kentucky that they ended up getting drafted significantly higher than what well Keldon obviously not but look at the success he's having in the league right now right so Kentucky's getting pieces Jack that you can see multiple lineup combinations and rise of right now there's five perimeter players if Xavier Wheeler commits to Kentucky obviously we're including him as we expect that to happen but those five you can see a ton of lineup combinations there you can mix and match uh, Frederick and Grady on the wing together you could even uh, go Grady at the one at times with Frederick and Dante Allen. Then you're, you're talking lethal three-point shooting. Uh, I'm excited to see what Cal does with this and and how they decide to piece this thing together. Well, obviously, what does Davion Mintz do here in a, a few weeks or months? We, we don't know yet. But uh, Kentucky is certainly putting together a lineup, Jack, that I, I look at this as John Calipari. Sometimes we know Cal's full of some, some BS every now and then, and he – he likes to say some things, but going back to the season, we felt like a guy who typically says the right thing nine out of ten times, he said the wrong thing nine out of ten times a lot during the season. Yeah. But we tuned into that radio show after they lost in the SEC tournament on that Monday night, and we all were listening. And we listened because we wanted to hear – it was like a state of the dress for the, the program. Like, where does Kentucky go from here? And his lines were what? The game is changing. It's more skill set than it is length and athleticism. I understand that this is not acceptable at Kentucky. He said all the right things, which is cool. But you know what he's done so far this spring? He's backed them up. And the way that he's constructed this roster with shooters and and Frederick and shooters and Grady, you see that he is – he's like, hey, look, we were embarrassed this past season. That's not happening again. We're going to fill this thing out, and we're going to do it right. Sean, real quickly, I want to go back. You bring up Emmanuel quickly and, and Tyrese Maxey and those sorts of guys uh, and kind of their NBA success. I think this is the perfect opportunity, Sean, for us to bring up our friends at Prize Picks. We have a brand new ad sponsor. We love them. You guys are going to get to know them. They're great. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than playing by playing 
daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Tonight, Sean, this is our first time bringing it up, so I kind of want to use this opportunity to, to talk with the fans about, you know, kind of how this all works. And by doing so, I'm going to be putting you on the spot you don't on, say. Tonight's, uh, on tonight's performers, only Kentucky Wildcats. And there are a couple of them, uh, P.J. Washington, Julius Randle, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, plenty of options to choose from, Sean. Bam so, Adebayo. Bam Adebayo as well. So I'm going to use this opportunity to put you on the spot with you could go points, you could go rebounds, you can go assist numbers, you can go three-point uh, shots made, you can go total fantasy score. There, there, There's so many different options to choose from, Sean. So I'm going to first, I want you to pick from the list of Julius Randle, Bam Adebayo, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, anybody you want, and – I will choose, you have to pick point number, assist number, rebound number, three-pointers made, or total fantasy score. Pick your poison, John. Well, if you hear the background noise over here, it's because I'm already trying to get ahead with the stats. <laughs> That's why I keeps, everybody keeps pulling up videos wanting to play. Let's start with Devin Booker, and I want to go points. Devin Booker points. Devin Booker is projected at, drumroll please, 26.5 points tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. So we have a Highly anticipated matchup, backcourt matchup between Damian Lillard and Devin Booker. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. We already know this. Two fantastic teams in the Western Conference. What you got for Devin Booker? 26.5 points. Over. And Over. here's why. Two games against Portland this season, he has scored 34 and 35. I think that's free money. I, I would say that is about as free money as you can get, Sean. I agree. So I'm, I'm going to go Devin Booker. Over. All right. All right. We need, as you said, two to five players. We're going to – let's do three players for our first prize picks uh, example. Who is your number two? Let's go Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns. All right. I'm going to make you pick total rebounds set at nine. So it's set at nine? Nine even? Nine even. Yeah, he averages ten and a half – Let's going against Denver, so they're it's going to be he, a he's going to matchup. He's going to have to perform at a high level. So yes, I'll go. I'll go over there. All right, and I'm going to make you. I'm going to pick this last one for you because this is a, a pretty difficult one. Julius Randle, favorite for most improved player. He's kind of an underdog pick for most valuable player. He's had a phenomenal season. I'm going to make you go over under on the projected fantasy score for him, which is 45 points. And I thought, I thought you meant you're going to pick this one for me. Nope, <laughs> like it nope. take me off the hook here. Nope. So this, oh, so this scoring chart with this, points are worth one point. Rebounds are worth 1.2 points. Assists are worth 1.5 points. Blocks and steals are both worth three points, and you lose a point for a turnover. So what is Julius Randle going to do with this? 45 <laughs> points. And they play the Spurs, correct? They do. Oh, boy. 45. That's a high line. I don't think he's gone over that 
in the last three or four games that I've seen. He he's due for a very big night, Jack. But man, that's a big night even if he doesn't get it. If he just gets to 44, 43, it's a big game. I went over on the first two. Let's go under. I'll go under. I what think we'll go Howard. Not you don't believe in Julius Randle. How dare you? He you know what? Because of this, he's going to go on. He's going to say, "Hey, you know those those idiots on the Source to Say podcast, and they didn't think I was gonna I would break this forty five point fantasy score total. You're wrong. I'm going to beat it. But you know what? These are all Sean's picks. So I want you all to personally make this the Sean prediction night. Use those, and if you're right, good for you. And here's the thing. Here's what I like so much about Prize Picks. You go in and you're like, all right, here I go. Julius Randle with his with his total. Carl Towns with his total, Devin Booker with his total. You can you can do a flex play, which is you're allowed to get two out of three hits in the entry, where if you get all three picks correct, it pays out 2.25 times the total. And if you, you're still able to win money if only two correct picks are made, and you still get 1.25 times the total as well or you could go power play with it as well so you can but th- that means you must hit all three three out of three in the entry and uh and that pays five times the total so for this bet you know what i'm gonna go in i'm gonna go right now i'm gonna put in those three as of right now the flex play will give me 45 dollars on a 20 dollar bet or the power play is gonna give me a hundred dollars on a 20 bet so so 20 dollar bet so there's money to be made. Even if you, you know, Devin Booker doesn't, doesn't play up to par tonight or uh, Julius Randle goes over and proves you wrong, Sean, you can still make money with prize picks. No matter how you want to bet, no matter how you want to play, you are able to make that happen. Prize picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for giving, getting four or five predictions correct if that's the, the route you choose to do as well. Download the prize picks app. Or visit prizepicks.com and sign up using the promo code PILGRIM, that's P-I-L-G-R-I-M, to get an instant 100% bonus on up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget, that's the PrizePix app or prizepicks.com and the code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level this postseason. Sean, I'm excited to be partnering with Prize Picks. They sound awesome. I've used the app. I've used the online uh, desktop version. It is easy to use. It's simple. It's fresh. It's as visually appealing uh, as as you will find. I'm a big fan of it, Sean, and I'm excited to be working with them moving forward. With that, let's get the heck out of here. Sean, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time, maybe even within the next day or two, for another jam-packed Source to Say podcast. We will see you then. Yeah.